Welcome to the House of Cinema podcast. I am your host, Joe Aragon, and in the house today, a discussion on the latest M. Night Shyamalan movie, Knock at the Cabin. Uh, before I jump into this, with me, a longtime friend and guest, Sydney Volpe is here, the resident M. Night Shyamalan expert. Sydney, how are you? I'm great, Joe. Happy to be back. How are you? I'm excellent. I'm excellent. I figured what a better time for Sydney to come back and discuss M. Night Shyamalan. Now, I know why, but people listening may not know why, and I'll tell them right now. I don't know if I know somebody more into Shyamalan films than you. And that mean that in, in, the, in the most respectful <laughs> way, by the way. Um, so before we jump into talking about Knock at the Cabin, my question to you is, tell us your Shyamalan history. I need to know, like, when did this love for Shyamalan begin? <laughs> yeah, I'll try to keep it brief, but definitely I have a bit of an M. Night obsession, though I try to be fair in how I evaluate his films. And I think this go around now that I am more into film and kind of um, have been making content about film for a while, I did a complete rewatch of his filmography to prepare for Knock at the Cabin and... Um, well, I'll start with my history with him, I guess. Like, I was watching M. Night films when I was, like, five or six years old. Like, what the was the first sense. one? Uh, that's a great question. I should ask my mom because my mom is super into film and she showed us a lot when we were younger. But definitely Lady in the Water, The Village, and The Sixth Sense. I have a lot of, yeah, I have a lot of nostalgia for and I've just seen them so many times. So it's it's almost crazy that we have these filmmakers that like shape that have like shaped the way that we view the world, you know, when you watch their films growing up. And M. Night Shyamalan is definitely that filmmaker for me. So I feel like um, I just connect with the messaging in his films really strongly and wow. personally. Yeah, so deep. and that's so profound. So it's so profound. Everybody listening right now is so moved by your <laughs> Shyamalan story. I- <laughs> I get way too dramatic when I talk about it. In my letterbox reviews, I'm like, oh my God, I sound like a fucking dweeb right now. Talking about like signs is like a, no, <laughs> a no. cinematic. Well, I know you agree with that one, actually. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about signs later, 100%. Uh, but everybody has, I think, that special director they have a connection with, and they feel like whether that be because you watch their, their films when you're younger or you just have a connection with their films because of xyz reason everybody has that person yours just happens to be Shyamalan which is nothing to be ashamed of this is a safe space this is a Shyamalan safe space this podcast (laughs) no shame to that uh I'm sure there's somebody like that for me I don't know who it is right now uh but I'll think of it later my next question to you is what Shyamalan tattoo do you have I expect that you you should be planning one or you have one that's actually an interesting question because Well, I only have one tattoo. It's a Lord of the Rings tattoo. And I want to get more tattoos that are film related. In in the village, I think one of my favorite lines um, that M. Night has ever written is in the village. The world moves for love. It kneels before it in awe. It's a good one. It's really good. I think it's very powerful. But also I'm kind of like, eh, like, (laughs) I don't know if I'm into like like, scripts. Just get circles on your arm or something. I actually did think about that also. Yeah, I'm I have, surprised you don't have that. I it's been in the works or it's been in my brain. What, what yeah, works means in my brain. Um, the issue is that the crop circles look too much like uh, 
a Pokemon in, in my head. Like, it looked like the unknown Pokemon. <laughs> and so oh. I don't want people to... I'm always f- fearful that people look at my tattoos and be like, oh, is that XYZ? And I'm like, no, no, it's not. Then I'm like, fuck, did I fuck this up? Like, is it too... Does it look too much like something else? I want it to be very obvious what my tattoos are from. Does that make sense? Okay. You should get like the the image of the alien that first time they see it on the TV. <laughs> that like all blurry? That, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. I, a lot of discussion on science will come later. I'm very excited to talk about it. Okay. Yeah. I've never talked to somebody about science who loves science equally or more than me. So this really? is fair, a treat for me. Um, okay. Now, you love Shyamalan. I really like his work, too. I don't want to paint this as a podcast or an episode as, like, Sydney is the Shyamalan lover and I'm, like, the Shyamalan hater. Uh, it's not the case at all. I'm a very big fan of Ebony Shyamalan myself. been watching his movies since I was a kid as well. I know for a fact the first full-length Shyamalan movie I watched was Sixth Sense. Uh, terrified okay. the hell out of me as a kid. And ever since then... I feel like I did a big jump into, and I started rewatching like at Science. I saw Science in theaters. That's a conversation for later. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I'm old. Um, <laughs> and I feel like I didn't get back into it until my late teens, like 17, 18. I didn't, didn't start to like rediscover Shyamalan. And I have seen all of it except for I have not seen one Shyamalan movie. I, I, I am a phony in that sense. Um, Is it Praying for Anger? Is not praying for anger. I've not seen that either. So that, which one? It's a big one. It's a big. Well, it's a name. It's a. It's a movie with big people in it. At least. Is it After Earth? It is After Earth. Wow. Okay. It just it came out at a time where I was like in my young, you know, early twenties. Like, oh, that looks so bad. And then people were like, oh, it's so bad. So I was like, I guess I'll just never get to it. And so I have just haven't watched it. And I, I told myself I was going to watch it to prepare for this podcast. And t- time escaped me, and I did not. So sorry to After Earth fans if you're listening for my opinion on <laughs> they it. They do exist. I know they do. Oh, I know they exist. Um, it is not <laughs> me. That, well, I'm just I haven't seen it. So if you're looking for an After Earth conversation, maybe Sydney and I will talk about it in a different episode or something. I don't know. A special After Earth episode. <laughs> I don't, it had to be like a Will Smith episode. I don't know if people will tune in for like After Earth like just after earth discussions so the deep dive i didn't watch it until uh like a couple weeks ago for the first time oh interesting you know okay not doing much worse than me (laughs) we'll have to clickbait people to get what to like really get them to listen to after earth so we'll figure that one out later um knock at the cabin what were your expectations going into this and by the way this will be spoiler filled because we can't really discuss this movie without discussing spoilers. So if you're looking to for yeah. spoiler-free thoughts, um, sorry, this isn't it. You'll have to come back at a different time. Uh, or if you just don't care, you can continue to listen. So that being said, what were your expectations going into Knock at the Cabin? I guess for every new M. Night film, like, you get a little nervous. Like, because there are some... I think that there is this phenomenon where, like, M. Night films do make more sense on every watch and they get better on every watch or at least that's what I hear like a lot of people say and that's my experience um so I saw it twice to like a uh when did I see it I saw it like a couple days within each other were my two viewings um before I kind of said anything about it and I did like it better the second time but going in the first time I guess I was 
I don't know. I just didn't know what to expect because sometimes you get more straightforward M. Night, like, I don't know, split, but sometimes you get old. And so I try to just go in with an with an open mind. I think old's pretty you? straightforward. You don't think so? Uh, uh, well, okay. Maybe not straightforward, but like a little more gonzo. Ah, uh, uh, Just a little it, more it. odd. So you're, you are, you're either getting like full-fledged M. Night or something a little more like accessible, I guess. Totally accessible. That is a good way to put it. What did I think? Because I cut you off before you asked that. Uh, <laughs> or what are my expectations? I was really excited. I'm not going to lie. I was pumped. I am a... Uh, I like old. I'm not an old hater. I'm not an old lover, but I'm not an old hater either. I enjoyed my time with it. There's very few Shyamalan movies that I like. don't enjoy my time with it at the very least. Uh, and I enjoyed my time with old. I know that will sound crazy to some people listening, but regardless, I, I love did. old. So. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, uh, and I liked the visit. Was a big fan of the visit as well. So, and I just have so much good memories with Shyamalan that no matter what he does, I'm going to be somewhat excited for it. Uh, and I think mostly though, I was excited for the cast. I really like Dave Bautista, and I like Jonathan Groff a lot. And then uh, I also I read the book cabinet at the end of the world before oh, going before? into the movie yeah I did okay nice so I was really excited because I really enjoyed the book I thought the book was great and so I was very pumped to watch M. Night's kind of take on it and um yeah so I was excited going into it had pretty I would say higher expectations I guess now we'll just have to like really just just say it what were your what's your reaction you said you liked it more the second time overall I believe you gave it a four out of five. Am I wrong? Am I right? I gave it a four out of five. Okay. And yeah, I neglected it. to say I was excited. I guess that's kind of the default, but I was very <laughs> excited. I was very excited for yeah. this movie. Um, what was my reaction? I liked it. I mean, I even liked it the first time. And then, yeah, like I liked it even more um, the second time because I think that his films present as very simple and then once you can get on the wavelength you start to like kind of unravel like the deeper themes because he's always getting at something really interesting about you know like faith um and stuff like that and here it's pretty overt um which i even thought was interesting and i even knew i knew going in like i looked up i'm a cheater so i looked up stuff about the book and about like the four horsemen of the apocalypse and all of that Ooh, you are Um, a cheater why didn't you want to read it I, I do want to read it, but I think I wanted to see his take first. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know mm. if I want to read it before or after. And the the change from the end of the book was like kind of wild. Uh, okay, well, oh, a lot to say here. A lot's coming to my brain and out of my mouth. I will say this. I wish I didn't read it before I watched it because okay. I really did like the book and the changes are, are really wild, like you said. Um Fuck, should we just tell people what the movie's about first if they don't know? I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's it's a movie where a family is in a cabin. They're vacationing there. It's two dads and their daughter. And uh, they get a knock. They get a knock at that cabin. (laughs) And the four people are like, yo, um, you got (laughs) to sacrifice one of your family members willingly, or if you don't, the world will end. And so that's the basic premise. So here's the thing. So I read the book. I knew it's it's so weird because I knew what was going to happen in the book. But what happens in the book doesn't happen in the movie. I'll just be honest. Like the book is it's pretty much spot on until shit goes crazy with 
the gun and things like that, that's when it deviates pretty big time. And so at that point, it was a new movie. And at that point, you kind of, I kind of realized, okay, now this is like it's in Shyamalan's hand to to provide me something different, something different from the book. And I'm either right. going to love it or I'm not going to love it. Um, and I, I liked it. I, I don't... I don't love it. I'll be honest with you. I don't love it. I did know in the book, the daughter dies in the book. I knew for a fact they were not going to do that <gasps> movie. Did you not know that? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Oh my God. Was- no, but with, that was my reaction though. When I looked it up, I was like, wow, that's like a bleak ending. But I actually, I mean, even though I think that is a, maybe a more shocking or interesting ending, I could not imagine him putting that in the movie. I think it's a little too dark. M. Night is such a hopeful guy. I think that's like way too bleak. Here is my my rebuttal to this. I was rewatching The Happening the other day, which is another movie that gets a lot of discourse about Love <laughs> the Shyamalan. And <laughs> The Happening is like, that's a hard R, man. People are like straight <laughs> up getting murked constantly. Just jumping off buildings, laying in yeah. front of lawnmowers. And there's a scene in The Happening where they go up to that house and there's like, old guys in, it, in there and they're like Ugh, get off my porch and they oh, yeah. shoot the two children <laughs> straight up just shotgun them like in the face so re-watching that <laughs> I was like maybe knock the cabin will go there maybe they will kill off the daughter because that's what happened in the book uh they did not do that well can I can I ask quickly what does the daughter die because they choose her no so in the book they get the gun and she, uh, the dad, Andrew, I believe it is, uh, he gets the gun. He shoots the girl in the blue. Adrian is her name. Okay. They shoot her because uh, she attacks them. And then it's just Sabrina and Leonard. And Leonard and Andrew start fighting over the gun. They're like, you know, just tackling each other. And they're like struggling over the gun. And the gun goes off and it kills Wen an accident so it's a complete accident and doesn't that not count that ends up being a point of contention because they're they're wondering will Wen's death count towards ending the apocalypse and leonard's like i don't think so because you know you didn't choose her willingly they didn't agree uh and they're kind of like wondering and they turn the tv on and planes are falling out of the sky so clearly it doesn't work so in the book after that moment Leonard feels so guilty for when Seth because he said, you know, for the entire book, he tells her, don't worry, you're not going to the one who's died. Don't worry. Don't worry. Right. You're going to be safe. And so he feels so guilty. He willingly lets himself get tied up. And then Sabrina kills him. And then Sabrina is like having like this come to Jesus moment. She doesn't know who to believe anymore. She, she feels guilty. She's just like all over the place. And so she's like, you guys, here's the truck is over there go to the truck and then she kills herself wow so then here's the here's the big thing and this is the the point i kind of want to get to eventually the ending of the the book is that the two dads are carrying when and the world the book is very ambiguous it's like like the clouds are forming but there's nothing there's not there's like lightning striking like in the movie it's it's it feels like it is but we don't know no one knows for sure and Eric is like, well, maybe I will, you know, I can sacrifice myself and we can prevent the apocalypse. And they, Andrew's like, no, don't do that. So they don't. And they decide that they would rather face the apocalypse together because they feel like they don't owe this God an answer, especially if that God is willing to take their daughter's life. 
Wow. And then they oh kind of just take a truck and ride off into, not a sunset, but they just ride off in the street. And it implies, it does imply the world is ending, but there's no concrete, like, definitive evidence of it. Oh my gosh, that's like a polar opposite ending. Polar opposite, right? So then in the movie, we already spoiled it. We're, we're all far in now. <laughs> we might as well just spoil the whole thing. So in the movie, it's very different. Uh, like you said, Leonard kills himself. They realize the world is ending, lightning striking everywhere. Eric is like, I want a future for my family, for you, my daughter, and uh, you know, obviously the rest of the world, and sacrifices himself. And there's a definitive ending in the movie. It works. Right? The world goes back to normal, thanks to Eric. Polar opposite. What are your thoughts on that? Because I, ah, when I first watched it, I was like, I like it. It is very hopeful. It's, it's like sweet. I got really emotional when Wen was like, did Daddy Eric save the world? But I don't know if it kind of ruins the meaning of the of the book. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I'm okay. talking about Okay, yeah. I've seen opposite takes of like, oh, I wish they kept the ambiguity of the book or like, I like how they kind of made a decision there. I'm not someone who likes ambiguity typically. Oh, interesting. Um, but I, I do, someone said this better than me. I don't know if you know the critic slash, I don't know, letterbox Twitter personality, Esther, it's like Rosen. Feld or something doesn't sound familiar Um, but i'll look them up she's great and she has a lot of awesome um insights about m night but she said that it was pretty clear to her that the film was through their flashbacks as two gay people and a gay couple um the price of assimilation was her wording which Mm -hmm. i thought was really good and um kind of forgiveness and making that sacrifice for not only the human race, but through Rupert Grint's character, Redmond, who we learn was actually the same person who had uh, assaulted by way of a, you know, an anti-gay hate crime against um, Andrew in a bar. They're willing to, you know, forgive that individual and forgive the human race and make that sacrifice, which I think is like pretty profound and like hmm. thought provoking to kind of be so concrete about that and that they're because that's their whole like what I found most interesting about the film was the character details that are revealed about both Andrew and Eric and their separate um experiences like Eric is a more um he has more faith like I think it's pretty clear that he's like a religious person yeah he's kind yeah. of engages with faith in some way and then Andrew is like a he's like an attorney. He's he's like I've seen some really fucked up shit, like dead children in piles. Like why would I sacrifice myself for that world? Yeah. Um. And eventually they together they choose love, which is like the most M Night thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um. And I love it. I mean, that's why I love him because he like it's actually like kind of brave. I think to always make that hopeful choice but he's also acknowledging like all these really terrible things and and also throughout the film acknowledging sorry i'm talking a lot now but no, acknowledging you're, you're like, like this interesting aspect of it where it takes place in modern day of how they like the 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 four strangers met in like an online message board and kind of um this like group think that can happen in online spaces and indoctrination into certain beliefs like stuff like that and kind of the nuances of that yeah um i thought was very interesting 
Well, okay, here's... This is why I wish I didn't read the stupid book. Books are so <laughs> dumb because they obviously have so much more time to develop characters and plots and really right. make you doubt certain things. Uh, in the book, it is very clear Eric is not... I wouldn't say super religious, but he's, he's religious. He goes to church every Sunday alone. Uh, he is very very religious and he sees that white light in the movie he only sees it like one time but in the book he sees it like multiple times okay um, and the other big thing about the book and movie difference is that in the book andrew never goes to check redmond's body to confirm he's obannon there's never oh. like this confirmation that he is a person that i think he is so there's always that air of there's the book does a very good job this is what I my main complaint of the movie. The book does a very good job making you really doubt both parties. You don't know who is telling the truth here or who is in the right. You don't believe them at certain points, but then things happen, then you're like, oh, maybe I do believe them. And my issue with the movie is that I feel like I always believe the visitors, and I kind of wish I doubted them more. And maybe that's unfair of me because people come to expect Shyamalan to deliver some <laughs> like big twist. Uh, mm -hmm. And maybe that's wrong of me to expect that. But I do feel like the experience would have been more rewarding if I would have doubted the visitors a little bit more. Okay. Uh, okay, that's interesting. I know because I did doubt it, kind really? of. Really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I didn't really... I mean, I kind of knew that it was a pretty strong, like, religious allegory. But I guess... So I guess if I had really thought about it, it's like... Yeah, but I did think that the way it was written and how it's like, oh, this is a pre-recorded news broadcast. Like they had, yeah, like yeah, yeah. they were like, did we have the visions before or after we met on the message board? I thought it was, you know, good enough for me. Okay, that's fair. But I fair. was kind of, yeah, I was kind of like, this is at least being presented in a way that it's making me think about it. Yeah, yeah. Again, I, I just wish I didn't read the stupid book because the book does a good job. <laughs> like they talk about the message boards, but they do spend a lot of time kind of bickering between each other like fighting about yeah who said what first did did redmond bring up the cabin first and there's a lot of discussion so there's a lot more doubt in your brain while you're reading okay this, just don't read books is my ultimate yeah fuck ultimate reading suggestion <laughs> fuck Should reading be that way anyways <laughs> um is there anything else you want to say about not cabin i kind of just like word vomited a bunch of stuff there was like no yeah real, i know like, i feel cohesion. like we were just talking about random shit it's okay <laughs> um well you know i think like in general i think it was just i mean like what we're talking about now like the more kind of uh you know giving more time to these things so that they're more believable i think is sacrificed in order to make just like a super top thriller mm. like this is like a super bare bones in one of his movies that feels more like a stage play which is something that i like about like the village and obviously it just looks amazing and his camera movements does look are really incredible. good i mean he's like he's fucking insane behind the camera but yeah i don't know i think i liked it more than most people but i also have been um pleasantly surprised by how receptive people have been to it I think I've seen most people enjoy it. I think so too. It's been a, it's a I'd say it overall has had a well at least well, okay. In the in like film circles it's had a really positive reception. I still think like the casual moviegoers have a hard time with his material and that's going to be like a forever problem. There's just some people who are unable to let go of like certain movies in his past. 
I agree. And I think that is, yeah, I think there's part of it where people kind of don't give him the benefit of, benefit of the doubt because of the reputation that he has. Um, but I think there is part of it where, I mean, this is my take on him as like a blockbuster filmmaker with The Last Airbender and After Earth. Uh, a lot of the stuff he does is just too fucking weird to be received well yeah. by, you know, larger audiences and that's fine i think he's like an important artist because he did that like he's talked about how these blockbusters were kind of his attempt at like participating in the system it went so terribly that he's like i'm just gonna start paying for all my own films and they like perform really well at the box office so it's like kind of fascinating and i i think he's you know you know whether i love his films like his films um, I think he's just always inspired me as someone who is so true to himself and true to his own vision. Wow. I'm going to send this to M. Night Shyamalan. My like dying wish is that I get to meet him or just be in his <laughs> presence one day. It'll happen. It'll happen. Maybe. I have to ask you uh, the burning question, the elephant in the room question, Sydney. Okay. Do you know what it is? Um, no. <laughs> the question that everybody... <laughs> Seems to be arguing about when they come to Shyamalan movies. Does Shyamalan have a dialogue problem, Sydney? <laughs> um, no, because okay, he has M Night does not have a dialogue problem. He just doesn't write dialogue. <laughs> he just doesn't write dialogue that you like. And so, like, we all know what his style is. Yeah. So, okay, it's okay if you don't like his style. That's fine. And so, when it comes to stuff like like old. There is an argument to be made. Like, of course, there's always an argument to be made of why something is bad in, like, the context that it's being presented in. But I often hear M. Night's dialogue is unnatural. I less often hear this dialogue is unnatural and and it is bad because it does not work well for this film you know yeah, yeah. for old like personally i think the dialogue is like perfect like i love the way that movie is presented but i think he also just has like a weird sense of humor that just doesn't mesh with like so many people what do you think i know i, I completely agree i don't i don't think he has a dialogue problem or i don't think he's bad at writing dialogue i think i think in general if dialogue is clunky or bad I don't want to make like a broad statement, but I I do feel like most of the time, if a dialogue feels clunky, it's intentional. But that's not for everybody. I feel like for these a lot of big blockbuster movies, uh, not Shazam. What's the other one that came out? The Rock. Um, What? Oh, Black Adam. Black. Sorry, I already forgot that movie existed. Uh, Black (laughs) Adam is a movie where like the dialogue is bad, but I don't think it's intentional. I think it's just because. (laughs) <laughs> they got a bunch of like jabronis writing this big blockbuster movie. Be careful <laughs> from, from, <laughs> what you say. From what? Uh, Snyder cultist. The, bl- the, bl- <laughs> um, the hierarchy has changed. Joey. It changed. No, no, no. It's gone. He's it's listening. over. It's been changed. But anyways, <laughs> I think that like that is an example of bad dialogue because they're just like a. We paid. We pumped money into this movie. For the visuals and for the special effects and for the action sequences, we could give a two shits what The Rock says. Clearly, <laughs> he says like the same thing like 30 times in the movie. <laughs> um, but when you get someone like Shyamalan, who is more of an auteur, I think when the dialogue does feel 
unnatural like you said it's with intention and maybe it doesn't vibe with you that's fine there's a lot of things that may not vibe with you but i don't think the dialogue is bad and like in old i never like i think it works for that movie because of what that movie mm-hmm. is trying to do so i don't think Shyamalan has a dialogue problem i just think it's funny that it gets brought up often and like it's such a it feels like the new like cool thing to to point out in movies now it's like oh yeah dialogue it's, it's an oh, issue. yeah like, the dialogue is, is so it an bad issue? are you writing down the lines as you're watching i don't think it's an issue yeah um, i mean it's like i think people are so obsessed with like realism right now that it's just kind of like like i i like kind of the fantastical aspect of his films and it kind of reminds me of what Baz Luhrmann has said about how he views all films as like a type of sci-fi. And that's why his films are like that. And I kind of like, like I feel like all M. Night's characters are kind of like archetypal and they speak in like this very straightforward uh, way. And I, I think he's written like some of the most profound lines like ever put to film, but you know, yeah, I think sometimes it does sound clunky and it sounds unnatural in a way that doesn't work, but it's also just his style. Yeah. And, um, you know, for me, it, it works well way more often than it doesn't. Yeah, so. yeah. That's fair. That's fair. I just I had to ask. It's like the new hot thing. And, you know, it is. I had to get an expert's opinion. <laughs> I to love on it. M. Night Discourse. It's <laughs> so awesome. Oh, well, uh, Knock <laughs> the Cabin is a movie I still liked, and I would recommend to anybody who wants a nice, like, what? It's like 90-ish minutes. It's yeah. quick, goes by fast, moves at, like, lightning speed pace. Kind of love movies like that. So I would still recommend to anybody. I have been recommending to people. I had a good time watching it. So it gets a, a thumbs up from me. I, I don't know if we have to ask what if it gets a thumbs up from you, but... I'm assuming you recommend thumbs it. Thumbs up for me. And yes, very refreshing where it's like every movie. Like even I think John Wick was announced and it's like three hours long. Oh, I'm so excited though. Okay. Yes, me too. <laughs> but we got to get some short. We got to get some short thrillers. I, in there. Yeah. I am fully on like, let's get back to some 90 minute, 90, 100 minute thrillers. But yeah. I will take uh, two hours and 49 minutes of John Wick. So <laughs> exceptions can be made. Just yes. depends on the movie. Uh Let's talk about Shyamalan's filmography. There's okay. 14 movies here. I have not seen Wide Awake. Have you? I watched it last week, actually. I'd never seen that one either. And you know what? And you know what is so funny? What? Is that... Okay, you've seen the... Po- like, do you know what that movie's about? No idea. <laughs> like, it's like, you see the poster. And what's her name? Rosie O'Donnell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like this little kid and Rosie O'Donnell just like standing next to each other and she's yeah. wearing a baseball cap. Yeah, it looks like and it's a called really Wide Awake. Movie. It looks like it's like a sports movie, right? Yeah, I, if I were to guess, like this kid is standing on a pile of books and he's like shoulder to shoulder with Rosie O'Donnell who looks very sweet. She has a baseball, it looks like a softball. It's kind of a large ball. Um, and maybe he like is too short to play the sport and so she teaches him... <laughs> confidence and how to be good at uh, baseball at their private school because he's wearing a uniform and he then is able to hit the game-winning home run and win it for saint joseph's private school 
Did I get it right? Okay, well, Joe just wrote a whole movie. Um, <laughs> no, you know, Rosie O'Donnell is in the movie. She gets like max 10 minutes of screen time. What? She's like not in the movie. This movie is about a little boy whose grandpa dies. And he's like, my grandpa died. So God definitely isn't real. And he spends <laughs> the entire movie trying to figure out if God is real or not. What the hell? It's very like... <laughs> It's not dark, but yeah, he's like at Catholic. He's at Catholic school, and it starts with a scene where she's like, "Oh, all people who don't, um, who aren't like baptized, are going to hell." And all the little kids in class are like, "Oh my god, my cousins are going to hell!" And she's like, "Well, wait, what the fuck? It's it, only eighty-eight you know minutes. I should watch this." Yeah, a tight thriller. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know what? I liked it. I gave that one three out of five stars because it's early M. Night. I think that it's not quite as, like, you know, uh, uh, polished as his later films. But it was super sweet. And, like, again, with a lot of his child performances, like, super good. Like, he can get awesome performances out of his child actors. Um Wow. And just, yeah, interesting themes about faith. I don't know. I thought it was like a nice little movie. Wide Awake. All right. Well, everybody listening, Sidney has endorsed Wide Awake. So if you don't like it, you can <laughs> DM her mean messages, not me. Yeah. Okay. Please do. <laughs> They're open. Um, anyways, 14 films. Wide Awake, Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, Signs, The Village. I always thought The Village was before Signs. Weird. Uh, Lady in the Water, no. The Happening, The Last Airbender, after Earth, The Visit, Split Glass Old, and Knock at the Cabin. What we'll do next is uh, we'll just list our four favorite, or we'll talk about what our four favorite are. I, you know what? You start. You're the guest of honor. What's okay. your fourth favorite Shyamalan movie? I know what your first favorite is. You do. I don't, do. but I have no idea what the other ones are. You don't. Okay. I will say, okay, I'm going to be difficult. Um, <laughs> my top two is it Stuart top... Little is that why <laughs> yeah it's actually Devil um... uh, okay Devil look, is Devil, good I, I like Devil I saw Me it in too. theaters I uh what year was that I need to make sure I get my years right 2010 quick. yeah I saw it in theaters I was I went on a date and I took them to oh my Devil. god I was I was 10 years old <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah I went on a date to see Devil and the person I went with, she was, she hated it, and she did not respond to my <gasps> calls after that. So okay, well, you're better off. I am better off, but I hope this person's <laughs> listening. <laughs> um, Devil's well, good. okay, it's not devil, but I my th- my third and fourth place I struggle with because in a way, I have the sixth sense in Unbreakable as the two M Night films that I don't go like crazy obsessed over but I think are, like, so good. I mean, they're, like, universally agreed upon that they're two of his best, The Sixth Sense and Unbreakable. Yeah. And then I have Lady in the Water, which Wait I'm a minute. Like, are you listening to them right now? What's going on right now? No, I'm just... Are you just these talking are, about These it? are, like... I couldn't pick, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have... Swapping between third and fourth place is Lady in the Water and a tie between The Sixth Sense and Unbreakable. This is wild. So make of that what you will. Well, because Lady in the Water is one I feel super passionate about that I'm like, I know this one is a little rougher around the edges, but I might like it personally more, but I think The Sixth Sense and Unbreakable are like technically better. 
let's talk about Lady in the Water. I need you to talk about it because I haven't seen it in a very long time. I tried rewatching it the other day, and I something happened. I just got distracted and I didn't. Um, okay. But that is the one, like you said, that I've seen diehard fans of Lady in the Water, and I've seen a lot more people who are just like, "Wow, this is booty." Uh, you <laughs> fall into the diehard fans of it. Just like, I mean, what is your what's your reasoning behind it? I guess what what about Lady in the um, Water makes you like fall in love with it? Yeah, people think I'm a psycho. I mean, this is like a four and a half out of five star film for me. Whoa, um, and that, that's high for Sydney people listening. Sydney does not yeah, get a lot even of four is... and a half, barely fours. No, I, yeah, I don't know, maybe compared to compared to what? You're a tough critic. <laughs> I can be, but Lady in the Water. I mean, it's so. This is what's so interesting about M Night's movies that it's like you literally watch a different. I cannot fathom people giving this movie like one out of five stars. And I think that Matt Lynch, who you know I love, yeah, you do um, love Matt Lynch, said it really well. He doesn't love the film. He gave it three out of five stars. But at the end of his review, he says something like, "This is an example of something that is, you know." Um, interesting and even rewarding that is tossed aside simply because it's uncool. Mm. Um, And I think that was a really interesting way to put it because a lot of people kind of make fun of this movie for being like a really stupid concept. Like it's like a a fairy tale and people were like, oh, LOL, I feel bad for M. Night's kids that this is like (laughs) what they heard like growing up or whatever. Um, But when I watch this film, I see like, such a well-constructed story about like this uh narfs the narfs um yes (laughs) like uh, like this community of people who kind of um oh you got like the war on the tv in the background and stuff it's like this community of adults who are choosing to come together over their unifying willingness to believe in a fairy tale and yeah. believe in like this hope for a better future that Bryce Dallas Howard's character story. I mean, her name is literally Story. It's on the nose, but it's like it's like the dialogue thing. It's like yeah, that's just how M Night like does shit. You know, like yeah. either accept it and evaluate it for what it is, or or what I don't know. But um, I think that um, Paul Giamatti's um, monologue, where it's like his the convergence of like his arc, where he's um healing story by his um kind of reckoning with like his grief about not being there when his wife and daughter were murdered it's like super deep stuff and i think like super moving and i'm gonna ramble more for two seconds (laughs) for two seconds no but he has this moment where he's finally yeah He's saying, like, about, he's like, you're not quite sure who he's talking about, but then you're like, oh, he's talking about his family. And he says, I'll miss your faces. They remind me of God. And um, someone commented on my Letterboxd review, and it was, like, this really long comment that literally made me cry where he was talking about that line, and he was like, um, my wife, or, like, my now wife, when we were dating, she mentioned um, this story about how she was raised um, very religious, but she, as she got older, kind of wasn't sure about her faith. And one day she stopped on her college campus and just looked around at all the people around her. And she was like, I get it now. Like, I see God in all of their faces. Like, this is what it is. 
And he was like, that he was like, that was the moment where I knew I was in love with my wife. And I was like, this is like so fucking deep. I was literally crying reading what he wrote. But anyways, it's just like, I do not know how people like brush off a film like this. That's like tackling something that like, I feel like we really don't get in a lot of films that kind of deals with faith as this really broad thing that is beyond just religion. It's like something unexplainable that's around all of us. Wow. And I'll stop there. No, that's, but, good. that's a good good job. Good, Very eloquently said. Uh, I, thanks. I feel like I'm more motivated now to rewatch it. You should. I'd be really curious to hear what you think. I, I've been wanting to rewatch it. I haven't seen it since its release. I think I've watched it one more time since then. Uh, but like not in good faith i think i just watched it just to kind of shit on it like i did you know like people do in their early 20s sometimes (laughs) um but i know it's a movie that a lot of people feel very passionate about clearly you're one of them um and it's one movie i i know that i feel like is probably a little bit misunderstood so i'll gladly revisit it i will say after that beautiful beautiful discussion that sydney just had (laughs) it's not in my top four so (laughs) i'm sorry um this is not fair if you haven't rewatched these joe what if like wide awake was, like, i have <laughs> <laughs> i have rewatched some of them i watched. i watched the happening i watched signs again. well i'll get into it in a second okay um, yeah yeah go ahead i've taken up too much airtime i will say this real quick when i said sydney was a hard cr- critic i meant that and they kind of contested at first but i will i pulled out receipts because i like to be right Sydney, last time Sydney gave a movie that was higher than four stars, that wasn't a Shyamalan movie, by the way, <laughs> was, hold on, I'm still scrolling. Give me a second. Are you on my letterbox right now? Was January 6th when they watched The Banshees of Inisherin. That was the last what? time they gave a movie over four four stars. And there, there's I a lot of movies you. between that. <laughs> I swear. Oh, but you know what? But sometimes I don't rate films. Like I would maybe give that to Come and See. Oh, okay. I see. I, I just see. watched that. Sometimes when I watch older films and I'm like, I really don't feel like unpacking this right now, I'll just log it. Oh, okay. That's a good excuse. I'll take oh, that. you know, Lagan. Lagan, I gave five stars. Okay. Okay. There you go. There's I'm one. Not this cold hearted wench. <laughs> you're painting me out to Before be. Before <laughs> Banshees, it was Minority Report. Before Minority Report. We'll stop there. We'll stop there. I'm kidding. <laughs> a man called Otto. <laughs> <laughs> 80 for Brady. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Have you seen? Oh, you saw that. I think you saw that shortly after me. Yeah, I saw. 80. I think we, we saw the same like, night. Um, fever dream movie. What a movie! You liked it though, because you're movie. a Tom Brady fan, aren't you? Um, I think he's a bad person, but I am from Boston. Yeah. So, no, I don't. What does that mean? I don't know what that means. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. I don't like the guy that much. He's but. so bad in the movie. He's the worst part about the movie. Anyways. Yeah, he was. And then he, at the end, he's like, oh, I'm never going to retire. And then the day after that, he was like, anyways, guys. <laughs> he Did you know he never met the ladies? Yeah, I said that in my review. I was oh like, that, that literally made me like, dislike the movie more. Even more. Because I, I was like, dude, these women, like, sacrifice their lives for you and <laughs> you you're just gonna profit them. off your i know like Ridiculous. whatever <laughs> we'll talk about that <laughs> okay um, i don't know if we do like a february recap <laughs> have Anyways. you not even seen said your number four <laughs> <laughs> we haven't oh my, my number okay. four uh is split split's my number four wow i will say this about split it's i like a lot of it um james mcavoy is great in it and i like Anya taylor joy in it 
I think what I like about Split, and this is really what's carrying it, is that it's one of my favorite movie theater experiences I've ever had in my entire life. Because the surprise. Split. Was, well, yeah, I'll be honest. The movie itself was great. Great, great time watching it. But the post credit scene is probably the most excited I've ever been watching a movie in, I think, in my entire life. I don't think I ever have a moment where wow. I, like, yelped in pure excitement. Like, I just, like, was... I couldn't believe what I was watching. I couldn't believe it was like happening. It it was like it was my end game. It was my Avengers end game. That was a moment I'll never forget. So Oh my gosh. I mean, I, I was in a theater with some like younger people. I mean, I mean obviously Split came out what? How many years after Unbreakable? A lot of years. I'm not going to do that. Many like 15. At least 15. At least. And at like least. Unbreakable while very successful and very popular, <clears throat> I I don't I don't like people are like talking about Unbreakable and your normal social circles very often. So to see an unbreakable post credit scene and like the music kick in, like just chills uh, radiating off my body. It was <laughs> just the most amazing ex- transcendent experience I've ever had in my life. Um, so yeah, that alone has put split at fourth place for me. Also, I'd like the movie a lot. I think it's a lot of fun. I think the idea of the horror is a really fun, interesting idea that being said, I was not a fan of Glass, so yeah. Okay, fair. Glass is one I plan to revisit very soon because I had such a bad time with it. I feel like it deserves another shot. Oh uh, wow, you I... really didn't like it. You you don't like it either, or I do? No, I said you really didn't like it. I like it. I I, I have I have it at three and a half. Yeah, stars. That sounds like something I'd probably put it at after I rewatch it. I need to watch it again. I haven't seen it since its release date. Here are the ones I chose to rewatch. It sounds like I didn't do any research for this podcast. I did. I watched <laughs> Signs, Unbreakable, The Sixth Sense, Split, and The Village. Uh, and The okay. Happening. So That's good. I did I did do some preparation. And Old was recent. And Old was, yeah, Old was like last year. So it was like not yeah. even that long ago. Huh. Um, <laughs> so anyways, Split is my fourth. Your fourth Lady in the Water. Your third and second? Or your, your, just your third is unbreakable the sixth sense here's what we'll say no no, we could do that you can bend the rules as you please well i won't talk about i'll just say i'll say the sixth sense because i like the sixth sense more than unbreakable okay what's your number two then signs your number one well what's what are yours okay okay hold on We'll, we'll wait for your number one so my four goes to oh i know your number one what yeah i just remembered right now (laughs) my four was sixth sense or split my three is Sixth Sense. Okay. And my number two is Unbreakable. Okay. So that leaves and you're... number one for me, which is Signs. Signs. Okay. And your number one is The Village, then. <laughs> yes. Okay. Let's break this down. Uh, <laughs> why is The Sixth Sense not in your top two is a question that people might ask. It is the same reason that it is not in M. Night's top two. What do you mean M. Night's top two? I, it's just like not... Personal? Like, yeah, like he talks about how he like he like loves Lady in the Water and he loves like his his weirder films. Mm-hmm. And I think there are people who like like The Sixth Sense and Unbreakable more. There are people who like like Lady in the Water more. Just kind of different like versions of him. Um, the Sixth Sense I think is like a masterpiece, but I think it's also a little bit more conventional. So I don't feel as Definitely. passionately about it. You know, okay. I'm just like, this is a really, really good movie. But like you said, it scared you. Yeah, I watched it when I was so young, and I remember the the scene where he's in his tent with a girl who's like who was sick. Oh, so scary. oh my god, scarred me for life. 
I always remember the videotape scene like way too vividly when they're at the oh yeah not the wake but like at the funeral what do you call it the post-credit funeral like when they all the post-credit <laughs> funeral like when they all gather out like after the funeral funeral the reception reception funeral reception yeah post post-credit funeral. post-credit <laughs> yo is ant-man gonna show up <laughs> <laughs> uh anyways i always think of the reception of the funeral that scene has been burned in my brain just yes Oh, it's the so dad's good. face when he realizes. Yeah, it's just perfect. Also, the twist, which I know has been parodied since the dawn of time or since the dawn of the movie. Yeah. But like, I don't know if anybody else could have pulled that twist off besides M. Night Shyamalan. I was just going to say, like, I just rewatched it and I'm like, I almost can't imagine people not knowing this was going to happen when it came out. I was too, like, do you remember seeing it and not knowing mm. the twist? No. Uh, well... When I watched it for the first time in it, like with a sound mind, I say sound mind like as in like an adult, basically, I already knew the twist. When I was okay. a kid and I watched it, I probably watched it when I was like 12 or 13. And I feel like I knew of the twist simply because it was out there in the world. But like, I don't think I knew it was from The Sixth Sense. I didn't know The Sixth Sense was the reason, Okay, you know, oh, I'm dead the whole time where I see dead people. I think I didn't like put one and one together. So when it happened, I was shocked. But I wasn't probably like thrown off my rocker like some of the boomers who saw it in theaters. Um, that being said, like rewatching it, just like just the way the camera moves and it's so seamless to make it feel like he's alive the entire movie. I honestly don't know if anybody else could have done it as well as Shyamalan does it. Yeah. So I agree. I, and I kind of like put the pressure on you. Like, why isn't Six Sense in your top two? It's not a mine either. It's number three. So. Just pointing that out. Yeah, wait, okay. You've got Signs, Unbreakable, The Sixth Sense, Split. Yes, that is correct. And the right. Village would be number five for me. Okay. It's like a good, no, it's a like good your, top your four. deal. It's a good swapping between The Village and Split. So. Okay. Unbreakable is not in your top four, technically. I'm curious, because I, I, I love it. This is like, was very close to being my number one. I mm-hmm. rewatched this one and like, was blown away by how insanely good it was. I'm just curious why it didn't go higher for you. Is it because it's a little bit more conventional? I I wouldn't say conventional. Yeah, I mean, even his conventional films aren't, like, truly conventional. But I guess um, I think it's just thematically it's a little different than what I usually love in his mm, films. And I right. also think that certain, even though I like Glass less... And I think for Glass, it's like, uh, it sucks too. It's like every time I watch it, I'm like, man, that third act just really doesn't work for me. And I so badly wish it did, but whatever. That's how I Um, feel too. Yeah. But I think that I like the way the themes come together in Glass, like even more than they do in Unbreakable. Um, Well, because I guess they kind of come to a head in Glass. In In Unbreakable, it's like this one piece of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like a piece of glass. Wow, like a piece of glass. <laughs> oh my god, he's a genius. <laughs> <Stop. laughs> Just realizing this. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think Unbreakable is so so good. But yeah. yeah, I'm just not like over the moon. Like I'm like, oh my gosh, this movie feels so me. Like that's fair. You know, fair. I don't blame so. you. Uh, yeah. Then we'll talk about the one we do share in our top two. Yes, that is signs. Ugh. I, this movie changed my life. Like I don't mean that. Like the most. You said, didn't you say in your live today? It's one of your favorite movies ever. Yeah, easily. I think. Yeah. 
I don't think people realize you're based I, it's, for that. It's because I mean I don't talk about it often, but in terms of movies that like altered my DNA, Signs is like up there. Maybe the five movies that changed who I am as a person. Wow. I, I mean, I saw it in theaters. I saw it like when I was when did it come out? Two thousand three, two thousand two. Two thousand two. I was twelve. This is the story. I was twelve. It was the summer of two thousand two. I had just turned 12 in May, so it was like probably like June or July when I watched it. I was visiting my dad in Southern California. Uh, I went to go see him for the weekend, and he was like, hey, do you want to go watch this movie Signs? I heard it's kind of scary. And I went with him and his his friend and his son, and we got there, sat down, watched it. And as the movie was playing, like, I don't know if I'd ever been more enamored with a story before in my life i mean sure i like movies kid movies but like that was like the first like adult movie i remember falling in love with and then i had never seen people leave theaters because they were scared uh that was the first time i had watched a movie where people actively left because they were frightened by what they were seeing on the screen and when the alien pops up in the brazilian home video uh yeah like it like every bone in my body was like shaking. I don't know if I've ever been more scared in my life. I've thought about it many times since then. I know. I just, I love science. I love everything it does. And the worst part about science is that Mel Gibson's in it. And like, that's the hardest part about it. <laughs> but I even think he's then, really good in it though. He is really good in it. That's the, that's the other <laughs> shitty part is that he's great in it. It's just that he's a terrible person. So like makes it harder to think about sometimes. Yeah. But regardless, Signs is a movie that truly like just defines who I am. Like it's a perfect combination of what you mentioned earlier. Nostalgia, but also that really unique filmmaking that M. Night Shyamalan is kind of known for. That's my sign story. What's your sign story? Wow, Joe, that's beautiful. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I had a match your lady in the water story. So um, my sign story, honestly, I don't even know i know i watched it when i was little but i don't have like a core memory of watching it i guess i think i have more of a core memory of watching it again several years ago and being Mm -hmm. like whoa this is about way more than aliens and all i kind of remembered it as um was like a just like an alien invasion movie and i just think it's one of those scripts that i think is just so perfect the way that and i think people are annoyed by like the end and how everything is so perfectly you know that's kind of the point though isn't it it's it's literally the central point of the movie is that it's all perfect and um you know sometimes you know miracles do happen um and yeah it's like this is where m night's more simple what some people think is clunky dialogue comes in or just a little corny i've never done but i think be honest me either i think it's so perfect i even think like if i could get some tattoo that um that symbolized like um the moment where they're listening to the aliens through the walkie-talkie and it's working better because they're all touching on top Mm -hmm. of the car just stuff like that is so amazing yeah it is but yeah it's a great film a lot of great lines in that film too like their conversation uh like meryl and graham's conversation about you know miracles and yeah i love this yeah i don't know yeah, yeah. It wasn't until a few years ago I came to truly, truly appreciate Signs, but I think it's a perfect film. This is when I have it. Five stars. Wow. A rare Sydney five. A ra- That's <laughs> not know. in Emmett's filmography. It's not that rare. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> this is very true. <laughs> yeah, that that is really well said, too. Also, 
okay on a deeper level it is very important and and i think it's really interesting on a deeper level but like going on a superficial like surface level i really like alien invasion movies and i feel like we don't get enough alien invasion movies like proper Mm. alien invasion movies and it is a fear that i feel like is underexplored in movies and i feel like Shyamalan does a good job kind of capitalizing on that fear of the unknown that fear of like something bigger and stronger and scarier can like just appear one day and uh ruin our world and i think that's really interesting and super scary and i wish we got more movies like that i agree spielberg does it well too spielberg Um, does do it well yeah but but spielberg never ventures into like the horror aspect of it it's always like a more war of the worlds war of the worlds is okay i have a lot of thoughts on war of the worlds do you not like it i do I, i really like it okay the first half is maybe perfect like just holy shit i can't believe someone able to construct a movie that way and then it kind of like gets into this super pro-military world and like it's a very response to like to 9-11 and so it kind of veers off to the right a little bit in more than one way if you get catch my drift Um, i do so i have problems with like its ending and with its second half but its first half is just like, yeah, that capturing that this being coming from the ground and the anxiety of that is whew, otherworldly the way he does it. Yeah, I also <laughs> really like that one. Uh, the Village. Oh, no, wait, yes. do you have anything to say about War of the Worlds? I'm curious what you think. No, I just, yeah, I, I agree. I really like World, War of the Worlds. That's one of the scarier experiences I've probably had with a, with a at least an alien invasion film, if mm. not a film overall. Um, but I, I agree M. Night's really good at that. Even in The Happening, he does the whole like uh, post 9-11 paranoia thing so well. Yeah, he does. Um, he does. So, yeah. No, those were my thoughts. Let's hear The Village because this is one that I feel like out of all the Shyamalan movies has the strongest, besides like the obvious like Sixth Sense, I feel like The Village has a really dedicated fan base. I agree. And I think I think The Village is one that has been more reclaimed in the past several years. Like Lady in the Water, that'll take a long time if that like ever happens. I think it will. On a I larger think it's, scale. It's happening at a slower rate, but I yes. agree with you The Village is going through a reclamation. Yeah. And I think what's happening is that people are just starting to look at it differently i mean the this came out i was so young so i went you know i wasn't really there but it was marketed as horror and i think mm-hmm. that was like so stupid because it's a romance um like in a huge way yeah. it is a horror in in uh again this way of like the unknown um but it's really about love and kind of like love persevering and prevailing over um the way this community has kind of sheltered themselves from the world because they're scared. Um, It's something much kind of softer and more emotional than, you know, weird people in like scary suits running around. Um, What do you think of the village? So I think it's funny that you brought it up. That was marketed as a horror because I feel like that's why I watched it with a bunch of friends. Like, oh, let's go watch mm-hmm. this new horror movie, The Village. <laughs> Yo, me and the bros are going to go see The Village. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even imagine. Uh, yeah, this is what this is after Science. So this is what, 2004, 03? I think it was four, yeah. Yeah, so I'm like peak annoying age, 14 years old. <laughs> 
like after i'm pretty sure we went is this i don't know if it's a summer release or not but i remember going with friends like yeah let's go watch let's go to the movie theater did you do this by the way this is a tangent you're younger than okay me, but when you were like in high school and in middle school was the movie theater like a cool hangout place like did people like go there and like maybe watch the movie but just kind of like stand outside the movie theaters and like talk with your friends and like flirt with the the other people around there <laughs> like did do people do that when you're like 18 16 17 not 18 kind of like I grew up in like bumfuck nowhere so there wasn't a theater like close to me but there were days where like a bunch of kids would like go to the mall and the movie theater was like across the highway but there weren't so we didn't we hung out at the mall kind of we didn't hang out at the theater but there would be like big group groups going to the movies and like your crush was there and like yeah yeah all that yeah okay we did that good to know i wonder if they do that now i feel like they don't but probably not well anyways yeah so like <laughs> that was a big deal that was like a big part of my growing up to stand outside the movie theater and like after the movie, you would joke around and like, hey, like Stacy's over there. Like, go say something. <laughs> and then like I would say like something so stupid and it wouldn't work. Stacy, the world moves for love. <laughs> <laughs> it kneels before uh, it all. Yeah, I didn't say that. I, anyways, <laughs> The Village, I went think it was a horror. So as a kid, I left very disappointed because like, oh, it's not a horror movie. It's like a weird romance there's like people are wearing costumes and like the twist when i was younger i was like oh my god that's so dumb as an adult <laughs> uh it is re- i like it a lot it is it works on so many different levels that like science does for me um i just have more of a nostalgia factor with science that's why i've always liked it more mm-hmm. but i like the village a lot and it's always been the m night Shyamalan movie that i recommend to people who want to explore Shyamalan in good faith in like a different light than what people tend to harp on. And I always say, check out the village because it's a really good way. It strangely works as a really good gateway into his more gonzo films, as you said earlier. Like it's mm. like, it is a little weird, but it's also not too weird. Like it doesn't like, I'm not like, I don't think it's like old weird uh, or old gonzo, um, but it is a good way to kind of get into his more, out there movies i think right yeah i agree amazing well let's recap i guess we went all over the place so i guess i'll just recap it real quick my number four pick was split then i had the sixth sense then unbreakable and then signs those are my four what are your four well we'll say that i had lady in the water at four the sixth sense at three signs at two and the village at one perfect now i i'm gonna ask you to do something that i know is gonna be tough for you but you're going to have to try. Excluding okay. Wide Awake, what is your <laughs> least favorite Shyamalan movie? You know, I've kind of done, like, I'm trying to do my M. Night ranked video for YouTube, and I think part of what's stopping me is that I'm trying to get over the hump of, like, what has been, like, nailed into my head from the discourse and what do I, like, actually believe. Yeah, that's tough sometimes. And, like, The Last Airbender is such a hated movie but I think I might actually like it in a way more than After Earth. Oh. Like After Earth might be my least favorite. Interesting. Well, I obviously can't comment it's on one that because I haven't seen After Earth yet. But yeah. maybe I'll turn on After Earth after this podcast and watch After but Earth. But it's, you should. There are like, but people, there are people who go hard for After Earth 
and there's almost no one who goes hard for the last airbender True. but but i but i honestly think if you separate the last airbender from just being a dog shit adaptation because it is like i grew up watching the show i do not disagree with that complaint at all it's to it's just kind of like a normal like shitty blockbuster kids movie yeah. yeah and that's um, like probably so. the biggest reason is that it's just a shitty adaptation is why it gets all the worst you know press in the world if this was an original idea from Shyamalan or maybe adapted for something much more obscure, I'm a thousand percent confident people would care a lot less. Exactly. Yeah. But the expectations for his movies are tough, but um, they are tough and that's unfortunate. I feel like there's very few directors who get that unfair expectation set on their shoulders, or at least there's other directors who can get more passes than him, which is strange yeah. to say at least, but that's neither here nor there. Okay, After Earth is your choice. Cool. What do you? Well, do you have one? Um, that's your least favorite. I do. <laughs> is it the Last Airbender? <laughs> let me let me pull up a list real quick because I want to make sure I'm looking at all of them. You've uh, seen Praying with Anger, right? I've not seen. What is Praying with Anger? I don't even see this on on this list here. Is it a where a are you on Letterboxd? Film? Yeah, it was his film that he did. His student film he did while he was at Tisch. He like filmed it in India. It's it's literally only on YouTube in like terrible quality. Some people watch it if they're if they want to be a completionist. Like Got I watched it. it like a year or two ago. It's fine. I mean, it's not that good. Uh no. So if I'm picking one, yeah, I guess Last Airbender is the right choice. I guess yeah. I, I had a really bad experience with Glass, so I, I that one kind of sits low for me. Yeah, uh, but I, I like the I, I like the visit. Maybe that's weird, but I like the visit a lot. No, a lot of people like the visit. I don't feel super passionately about it, but I think it's like a really interesting. I think it's good. Yeah, it's an it's interesting one. Totally different from what he's done in the past. And the worst part about the visit is that stupid kid who raps. But other than that, like it's a I solid. I thought the rapping was cute. It's not. It's not cute. I feel like they wanted it to be cute. It's not cute. It makes <laughs> I think me... he just has he just has dad humor. Like it's like you don't think that's something someone's <laughs> dad would be like. Oh, this is so funny. The kids in there. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. But it works really well as a horror movie. Like it's legitimately thrilling and pretty scary at times. I like the visit a lot. Yeah, and Ooh. I want to give a shout out to Old because I do truly, really love Old. That's a four okay. out of five for me. Whoa, it's just not, it's just not my tops for him. Got it, got it. Okay. Oh, I didn't mention this at Knock of the Cabin, but I'm curious to know what you think. It okay. was rated R, which is the first time a Shyamalan oh, movie yeah. has been rated R since The Happening. Does it bother? Okay, maybe it doesn't bother you, but it kind of bothers me that I feel like they don't explore or use the rated R to their advantage. I'm not saying every movie needs to be like blood and guts and like people fucking and like swearing all the time, <laughs> but the book is very violent, and I feel like it would have been kind of cool to use that rating a little bit more. I mean, they got it; might as well use it. Am I wrong, or what do you feel? No, I I kind of agree. Like I said in my review on YouTube, uh, that I came out of it kind of being like that was pg-13 right because it felt like they were um i mean they were like intentionally not showing the gore yeah and it, maybe it was r because they show it a couple times like i don't think they or maybe they drop a couple f-bombs i don't really remember yeah they definitely um, well i counted they do two at least at the least um okay so you know i don't think i know you did say I mean, yeah in the happening I guess there are a lot of like disturbing deaths, but I wouldn't say that M Night has, has is a lover of like gratuitous gore. 
I like agree. Blood, I like agree. bloody stuff. So maybe for this particular film, I mean, it seemed like it made sense to me. Like, that's not really what it's about. It's more about, like, you know, the love for humanity at the end of the day. So we don't really want to be showing, like, these people who are supposed to be, like, good people dying in that way. Yeah. So getting murked. Yeah. That's my new phrase. I like saying that a lot. Um, (laughs) Someone screamed at me in Call of Duty. So I've been saying it. Oh, my God. Uh, Here's my counterpoint to that is that The Happening does such a good job with its R rating, not being gratuitous, but still being very disturbing that I kind of wish Knock the Cabin would have used that that same vibe and energy in Knock of the Cabin. Like at least in like the tidal wave scene when Portland's getting murked by a wave. Uh-huh. Um, or when the planes like I'm not saying like show me all these people like blowing up, <laughs> but like I think there are ways and he's done it before, like in the happening, to use that to kind of instill a greater sense of fear in its audience because the happening those scenes are so good the the scene with the people falling or jumping off the roof is like hands down i would say like top yeah five Shyamalan scenes it's so scary i love it and i kind of wish that energy was found in knock the cabin yeah okay you've swayed me a bit i like even in old there's like some good body horror oh yeah the girl in the um, tunnel fantastic yes. really good i forgot horror. about that yeah it's but fucking scary i wonder yeah it did feel like a little sanitized like a little censored like it, it, it truly felt like they were like oh pg-13 like yeah let's not show too much so yeah i don't know interesting maybe we'll get the knock at the cabin unrated edition on <laughs> blu-ray did you see it's already gonna be on vod what when can you believe that february 21st you can watch knock at the cabin at home oh <gasps> Oh my gosh, that's so soon! Isn't it insane? I, I mean, Within it is the same month. Underperforming. I mean, at is the it? box office last time I checked, I think. Well, I mean, all I saw was that oh, knock the cabin, dethrones Avatar, which you know, I guess isn't saying much because Avatar was <laughs> like Avatar came like... out like a decade ago, <laughs> like finally. <laughs> but that is insane to have a movie release in February. I mean, the second day of February, and then. It's already on VOD in literally a week from today. I wonder if they just don't have a ton of... I mean, I, I know I, I don't even know how studios feel about M. Night. Like, it's like he has like a multi-film deal with Universal. And I'm like, maybe if they're releasing it on VOD, they don't really believe in the film. Um, but that's also... Ha- that's happening with movies all over the place. It is. And it's really Who disheartening, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. people aren't going... I mean, people are going... This is a different conversation for a different day. I'll have to have okay. you back on, and we'll we'll talk about it. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Well, we've reached the end. Sydney, thank you so much for talking everything M. Night Shyamalan. Um, remind the people listening where we can find you. Um, you can find me newly on TikTok, because oh, yeah. I was off there for a bit, but I'm back at Sydney Volpe. Um, Twitter, I changed my handle to Count Volpe in oh. honor of... Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Oh, are you Pinocchio? Um, I did love Pinocchio, and I thought it was it was too perfect that the evil fascist character was named Count Volpe. So, wow, <laughs> I have no comment um, on that. Just I am cool. on YouTube. I'm on Instagram, and I'm sure Joe will link all of that. Of course, I will link all of Sydney's information in the description of the episode. As always, follow her on YouTube and 
Twitter and <laughs> I guess TikTok. She's back. She's this is like back. the sixth best film talker <laughs> on all of TikTok. Even better than Cinema Joe, if you can believe it. Better than me. This is what this, yep. the article on Screen Rant said. So yeah, she's back, and uh, I'll make sure the to. Bible. <laughs> screen rant yeah the bible <laughs> paying their writers 15 dollars per article nice job, Good job oh my god rant. i forgot about that fucking assholes anyways uh <gasps> you can find me you know where i'll link my stuff in the description of the episode uh next time on the house cinema podcast this is releasing on a thursday that means the following monday there's a patreon episode and tuesday i don't know what's on it's on something it'll be out Um, But I appreciate everybody who's been signing up for Patreon and I appreciate everybody who's been listening. And uh, other than that, Sydney, we'll say we, but I'll see you soon. Um, And everybody else, thanks for listening. Goodbye, listeners.